0: Perfect for a moment to unwind. And so when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Hi, this is Ruben the
0: cheek I'm Pat Nevin. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, joined by Dan and Nick. I am running through this because we have a lot to cover. It is the Spurs match review, gentlemen. But as our new little tradition stands, three-word match review to kick it all up. Dan, not as many this time, but you got a couple that you've picked out that... uh, we should probably run over
2: oh no there were a lot just you know we we try to when we can make this a family-friendly show you know there's sometimes no. we know that parents are listening to it with their kids at home at school during the day and you know, the last thing they want is one of us just dropping some really profanity-laden elements in the first 30 to 60 seconds of the show so we're not doing that today got a couple though the football car maybe crapping's lucky <laughs> uh michael was sports are dumb which i perfectly, you know 100 agree with i yep. think they're you know our buddy stanford chidge f off spurs we had max lindquist who is going uh, <laughs> penalties suck balls chelsea in america our wonderful friends mendy 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 which i think is going to be something we talk about today and uh, i think sam McAnally uh had one where it was man mason missed
0: which was another good one pretty factual Pretty factual. Nick, what uh, What about you from your three-word match review? Take
1: your chances. We arguably could have been 3-0 up heading into the 90th minute, and we weren't because we didn't take our chances. So when you look back at this match and you realize that it could have been a comfortable 2-3-0 victory, instead it's a 1-1 draw that ends in a penalty shootout loss. That's why. Probably not a big argument about
0: definitely having more than one goal in the, in this match. Dan, what about you for your three-word match review?
2: Mine was left back in because Spurs were left back into the match by one Emerson.
0: Oh, my. I Boy, that's will tough. Argue, argue that later. You Mine can is, try.
2: <laughs> please it's, try.
0: It's easy. Back to work. That's what I have to say for this team. There's nothing else you can do. Back to work because Lord knows we need it. So, in this one, obviously, we're talking about the Spurs-Carabao Cup match, in case you didn't catch it from the beginning. Um, we'll talk about how Chelsea crashed out of said cup after a ho-hum performance. What individual elements of the match we keyed in on being larger problems for Lampard, and then talk about the first starts uh, for Ben Chilwell and Edouard Mendy. So, uh, real quick, gratitudes. Huge shout to Garrett and Jordan. Great time to join the Discord. All right, they jumped in the Patreon uh, giving us a few bucks a month. And in turn, we're giving them a lot back, especially with the community we have. Um, Dan, you you as well have some some gratitudes for five star reviews on the platform best known as Apple Podcasts.
2: Yeah, true, true. The train keeps on blowing past the station, and five star Apple Podcast reviews are what's in that caboose. So we had C Lloyd, we had Kevin, aka Nashville, Iowan. We had Peruvian Blues with the Z, Soccer Bryce Crawford Sawyer Coach Ross Thirty and Dragon Three Leg, all leaving. Wonderful five star reviews on Apple Podcast for us, uh, getting closer and closer to the fabled thousand reviews slash ratings in the US store. Uh, obviously, globally we're a little bit more past that, but we'd love to hit that. So thank you for your support. Go drop a review or a rating right now while you're listening. Right now, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. If you haven't done it, do it. And now, Nick.
1: Uh, yeah. So you you guys know this is where I I pitch on on some things to do. You know, look. If you go share our content on on social, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, it's super helpful. It helps us get seen more. Helps the podcast grow. And in fact, when the podcast grows, we get to do more cool stuff like we're going to do tomorrow, which is, drum roll please, Matt Law back on the show. Uh, We are recording with him tomorrow. It will be out Thursday, right? Yep. Thursday. So Thursday morning when you're getting up and getting your coffee, you get a little Matt Law knowledge bombs just being dropped everywhere. Uh, he's been on the show three times in the last month and a half and has been has been a wonderful guest and obviously is, is uh, one of the most esteemed Chelsea journalists out there. And we're, we're lucky to have him as a regular part of our show. So uh, if you go do all the things, that really helps us. And then then we just get a climb to four or five in the, in the chartable charts. So, yeah. All
0: right. Uh, I would like to shout out the the MKE Blues, Milwaukee Blues. We have their yeah. hats here. What's Nick up? is wearing his. Bam. Uh, some thing. cool detail. Go to YouTube or we can clip it. That line is pulling a beer tap. All right. That's just the MKE style. Right. That's what these That's what these guys do. Uh, really cool hats. We bought them. Nick, I feel like there was a, a reason we bought them
1: for, for everyone. Yeah, well, they were supporting their, their pub that was going under some hard times due to COVID. And, you know, I think, you know, the, the chapter pubs around the country that we've all had such great time at, you know, we need to support them when, when things are tough. And I really respect the Milwaukee Blues for doing that. And I'm also going to issue a challenge at this moment, a challenge. If your chapter around the country, whether it's Chelsea in America or an independent chapter, or hell, you're in Australia and you, you have some cool merch, send us send us some DMs with the merch because we're looking to pick up some some cool swag and and perhaps we'll spread the word about it and maybe maybe help uh, bring some uh, some light to uh, your platform if you're trying to support your pub or you, you know supporting uh, a community member who's who's maybe gotten sick during this whole pandemic. So uh, some really cool causes happening out there. Share us. The merch. Share the goods. We think Milwaukee does a pretty damn good job with their with their hat game and their scarf game and their carabomb stickers. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. It's true. I've been to the pub as well, watched
0: the match with them. Mm. It was like a 6 a.m. kickoff on a Saturday, and they are a bunch of troopers out there. So <laughs> shout-out to you guys, MKE. Uh, Milwaukee Blues, love it. All right, uh, enough dilly-dallying around. Let's get to it. It was Tottenham in the Carabao Cup this past Tuesday, September 29th, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Brilliant, brilliant. Can't believe Levy hasn't been able to sell the naming rights to that toilet bowl. Uh, scoreline, Chelsea 1, Spurs 1, obviously losing 5-4 in penalties. Uh, the goal is coming from Timo Werner in the 19th minute, and then Eric Lamella. Uh, who's an absolute villain and a just terrible person, as far as I'm concerned, uh, scoring in the 83rd minute. Uh, Obviously, no correct score predictions. No one guessed penalties. uh, So we can chalk that up as a loss to everyone. Keep that race pretty tight. Um, I guess, Nick, interesting stat here from Opta Joe. I'll let you read this one out. Um, And
1: caveat, I don't really care. I Look, why, Dan? Why did you put this in here? Um, six, Chelsea have lost six of their last eight league cup penalty shootouts, including all three at the fourth round stage, also versus Burnley in 2008, 2009 and Stoke in 2015, 16 insurmountable insurmountable. That's tough. That's a bad, wow. From, uh, from Opta Joe there. Tough one.
2: Not great.
0: Nope. All right. Anyways, I don't think being an amazing penalty taking side is the most important thing in the world, especially if you just take care of business during the 90 minutes like we could have. So Dan, go ahead and run us through the lineups um, and we can really uh, get into a couple debutantes in this side.
2: Yeah, between the sticks, Edouard Mendy makes his first Chelsea appearance. We had Azpilicueta, Tomori Zuma, and Ben Chilwell making his first start, second appearance for Chelsea as our back five. We had Urginio Kovacic as a midfield two pivot with, in um, front of them, Timo Werner, Mason Mount, and Callum Hudson-Odoi with Olivier Giroud. The sexiest man in world football, up top as our striker. When you look at who was on the bench, it was Kepa Arifa Blaga, Ross Barkley, Reese James, and Kai Havertz who were there and unused substitutes. You saw Angolo Conte, Tammy Abraham, and Emerson all make appearances off the bench to try and fix the problems on the pitch, uh, but did not did not do that.
0: Obviously, to your point, Jill and Mendy both getting the first Chelsea starts. Maybe a little bit of a surprise on Mendy, but probably not lampard pretty much confirmed it he was he was not hiding the fact that he was looking forward to Edouard mendy coming in chelsea was 63 percent possession we had seven shots three on target to their 11 shots also three on target our two corner kicks to their four 12 tackles there eight on offsides each two cautions apiece. so no sense in dancing around it how did this happen So digging right into the match after finding the net within the first 20 minutes, looking good, feeling good. Chelsea looked like they could start to wrap this one up, but then it just kind of continued on in the second half. Not quite enough, not quite enough urgency, not enough possession, some substitutions. So from your perspective, Nick, you got game plan. We've got more individual errors. Um, as far as where it maybe unraveled, maybe mentality, where where are you kind of pointing your aim of focus with with this one?
1: I mean, I don't know. I thought the first half, well, it wasn't maybe the most clinical half of football we played all year. We dominated the half. I mean, it was incredibly one-sided. We were in their half the entire first half, and it was, I don't know, relatively comprehensive. We missed a, a couple of shots, but otherwise I thought it was good. They didn't come out with the same intensity and Spurs had to do something. That's a bad combination. I mean, you, you look at maybe the intensity dropping, you look at maybe a little bit of a tactical shift by Spurs. You look at some of the just ridiculous individual mistakes again. And it's like, man, at, at some point, at some point you have to be able to improve this squad of players, right? Like you, I know you're not going to be able to coach out every individual mistake, but the intensity dropping is is worrying for me, Dan, because it's Spurs, it's away, it's in a cup competition, and you just beat them up and down the field the first half. How how dare you take your foot off the gas? Like that's crazy to me.
2: Well, I think what was unique, and you know, we kind of talked about this. You know, as a game of two halves, there was the half where Chelsea was dominant and. You know, troubled occasionally, but for the most part came good in what they were doing, given space and time on the ball. You know, Jorginho was pretty much unpressed for the first 45 minutes of the match, had plenty of space to operate in. And like that, if you're going to put Jorginho on a pitch, you couldn't have asked for a better scenario for him to get than that first 45 minutes. And when we come back out after the half, Mourinho has completely changed the way that he is having the players take it to our team. You you saw a little bit of a step up the intensity. You saw much more pressing on uh, the actual individuals. And so Jorginho, who had this massive amount of time to operate in the first half, he was getting put under pressure. Kovacic was getting put under pressure. And and we didn't react well enough or quickly enough to try and regain a a little bit of a foothold in the game. I think the bringing on of N'Golo Kante was... Fantastic. He definitely added some of the solidity that we needed in that midfield, especially with you know Kovacic kind of picking up the the early yellow and kind of being on caution there. I don't want to potentially risk going down to ten men, especially as the challenges became a little bit more fast, a little bit more fierce. Mm-hmm. But then the the transition into Emerson coming in, obviously Chilwell potentially not you know hundred percent there, but gives you a, a really good I think in general performance that we'll talk about later. You have the option also on your bench of potentially moving Azpilicueta out to the left or bringing in Reese James, who continues to give you that ability to bomb forward. Because what wasn't happening, Brandon, was Olivier Giroud was living on an island. It was definitely not Love Island because he was feeling no love. It was castaway. He was up there by himself screaming mm-hmm. Wilson and nobody was bringing anything into his area of the pitch. That's where I think you bring on someone like Reese James to push the ball up further forward, get out of your half of the pitch and try to regain some of the, the ownership of the pitch that we had in that first half.
0: I, I didn't love the lineup, nor did I love the formation. I, I felt like Mourinho was always paying mind games. You know, he's like, Oh, I might as well throw this match away. Surprise. I have not my best 11, but not the U 23s by any means. So, you know, it's good that we had a team of, you know, senior players out there. But, you know, if we don't like Kovacic next to Conte, we sure as hell aren't going to like Kovacic next to Jorginho. You know? Like, Jorginho's supposed to be the deepest playing, the deepest player so he can see the field. He's not good turning and running into space in a a two-man midfield. Like, that, to me, is, like, the biggest, like, Problem and it comes back to stop playing a four-two-three-one. You could have put in Barkley and played a four-three-three and had some competent formation. I just I was not happy with the way we lined up with Timo Werner, Mason Mount, Hudson Odoi across the line with Jorginho Kovačić behind him. I felt like it didn't provide the team with enough ability to control and move the ball, and so I I tend to complain again about said formation. Probably more than anything. Like
1: it is I thought we learned this lesson at the weekend. <laughs> I I was convinced when I saw the lineup that it would be Mount and Kovacic in the eights with Jorginho sitting back and in, in his normal kind of Regista or, or number six role. And the balance would be there. Mm-hmm. It was unbalanced again. It was unbalanced again. You had two you had Jorginho trying to stay close to Kovacic so there could be some sort of link. But the problem is when you bring when you bring those two in together and they move up the field together, there is just n- nothing behind them, right? And Zuma and Fick are both fast, there's no doubt, and Chilwell obviously proved that he's going to be a quality option back there. But, like, I, the formation doesn't work. It's just there you need to play a four three three with the current squad that we have. Now, if you bring in a Declan Rice, maybe you, you can have the flexibility to play that because he's going to sit a little deeper and do the kind of dirty work. And he's able to cover a little bit more ground. This is clearly not the formation. And when you look at playing a 4-2-3-1, Mount didn't have any link to Giroux. None, right? Werner and Giroux couldn't find each other to save their lives. And Cal was the one who had all the space and then no one to aim at when he got forwards. And it was just, you know, it, it was so frustrating to watch because... You know this team has a ton of attacking talent, Dan. You know there's firepower there, and they cannot figure it out. They can't give each other space in the box. They can't give each other lanes to run in. There were so many overplayed passes from the left hand side towards that like angle ball in the box that I was just like, "What are we doing?"
2: The the speed of the passing and playing the ball forward was definitely a major issue, and also miss. Past places when they were trying to play it forward, where you know you would see Asby try to play it in tight, you would see Kovacic try to play it in tight, uh, Jorginho, and it would get intercepted. And now the counter was on for Spurs, which is exactly what they were hoping for, right? They were hoping uh, lamella and Berjuin would get further forward, be able to break quickly, and, and find some you know favorable matchup—a two-on-one, a, a three-on-two—that they could take advantage of. We didn't put really many of the players in our team in a position to be their most successful. I actually think the the back line was put in in our defense was put in a possess- position to be successful in this match. Every other outfield player, Jorginho Kovacic, Mount, Hudson dodoy Werner, Giroud. none of them were set up for success with the way that this formation was put together. You know, you, you need to be able to with this type of formation, I think two eights make a lot of sense, right? So you're going to have two players that are going to be in the middle of the pitch. You're going to be trying to break through what was a five-man defense uh, in the midfield with Aurier and Reguilon both on the, the wings and then a, a crowded midfield with Fernandez, Sissoko, and Nobele. That's, that's not going to be broken down by the way that Jorginho and Kovacic recycle the ball. They recycle the ball back to either... Chilwell or to Zuma or to Tamori or Aspilicueta and, and they don't you know Chilwell and Aspilicueta definitely have some more former play of the ball but that's not what Tamori and Zuma are known for
1: well they started doing the Aspi and, and Chilwell started doing the angles across field which you saw mm-hmm. which was pretty interesting as a tactic because if you're going to have the width you might as well use it right <laughs> you know Brandon like that that to me was like okay well there's at least a somewhat of a different play than we've seen the uh, still, the Antonio Conte passing around the circle until someone frees themselves enough to pass it in field. I mean, we haven't really ever shaken that, and we need to because this team has too much dynamic attacking talent to play as slow as they do uh, with the ball in the opponent's third. Some of the best moves that we had today were passing moves or the occasional take on, but our, our players don't really even do that anymore. Uh, it's, it's kind of beyond belief to be honest with you because Spurs we, we could have put Spurs away in the first half and just and walked it. You know, there's also that
0: point which would completely nullify the oh wrong lineup, wrong formation type thing, but the fact is, you know, we put ourselves in a situation to win, we just didn't take advantage of it as well, but again, it's a very tale of two halves. Now look, Spurs have played a back 4 in the first 3 Premier League matches. Playing a 3-5-2 is very different. Uh, especially as you guys are talking about Giroux kind of being on an island, uh, you, Now you need Timo and Hudson Adoy getting up in there to try to mark them, but then that leaves a three on five in the middle for us. So, you know, then you have to push your outside backs up and out to two on two with our center backs. We just weren't able to match up with them in the second half whatsoever. And it honestly, it was a tale of two halves. Spurs were going down in the first half. We were going up, and then we just switched. And they grew in confidence. They got excited. But I, 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 I just don't like <laughs> how how it went, and it's not a good 90 minutes. Look, you had to bring on N'Golo Kante. You had to bring in Tammy Abraham, and then you brought in Paul Mary for other reasons, but it's like you had to bring in your best player to try to
1: maintain shape in the second half. That's not good. (laughs) The the formation thing is interesting, though, Dan, because famously last year we played a three-back against Spurs twice in the league, beat them twice in the league. It was comprehensive. So my thought was I I was not surprised at all to see that Jose brought out a three-back today because I think he was anticipating – Lampard was going to go back to the well one more time to see if he could get another one over on his former manager. And I'm glad that Lampard didn't go back to the well. I don't think this team as it's currently constructed and especially without Alonzo, it can play a three back effectively. It's just not meant, it's not meant to be. And it still provides you with the same two man, you know, midfield pivot that you have with the four back. So you might as well play the extra attacker and, up front and, and try and score some goals like it didn't Jose's approach did not surprise me. This
2: I don't think I'm surprised at Jose's approach, and I thought that we would get more out of a three-five-two ourselves. I think that we would have benefited from some combination of actually taking Zuma, Tamori, as a, as a back three, pushing chua up as and using more as a wing back with Reese on the other side, give yourself an opportunity to stack. Mason Barkley and Conte there and then let Timo and and Drew or Timo and Tammy play off one another up top and I actually think that would allow us to match up midfield to midfield a little bit better with some attacking options because they were going to try to you know always make it a condensed pitch for us they were going to try to kind of make those passing lanes very very small and you need players like yeah, I get it Barkley turns the ball over but Barkley also passes the ball forward and will try to run it and move it into space and that is not the game of Georgina Arkovicich, and so I mean, I just think we didn't select the right side. Hindsight's you know twenty twenty, and I think we then to the point you were making, Brandon, is that we didn't convert the chances we had to allow us to go away and say, you know, what? we we you know we had two two on ones twice in this match, and we couldn't find the ball to put it right in the path of someone who would have been able to very easily convert a shot uh very high quality you know positions on the pitch to be shooting from
0: all right hey we're gonna take a really quick break um but when we get back we're gonna continue this conversation and talk a little bit more about the debutants specifically uh to give them a little bit of love so thanks to sponsor for financially supporting the show we'll be right back Fellas, 2020 has made it hard for us to stay as hygienic as we should be. Luckily, our partners at Manscaped have made it easy to turn your bathroom into your own private salon. Manscaped is on a mission to change the grooming game with their below-the-waist grooming and hygiene products, and they just released their products in the UK, Canada, and Australia. The Lawn Mower 3.0 trimmer offers a replaceable ceramic blade with advanced skin-safe technology which helps reduce grooming accidents. The waterproof technology also allows you to groom in the shower and for up to 90 minutes. They also just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is perfect add-on to the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. Their perfect package comes with two free gifts and other liquid formulations to complete your ball trimming routine. These formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, paraben-free, so you know your disco stick is in good hands. You're probably sitting on the couch with your hands on your balls anyways. Might as well keep them smelling fresh with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, an anti-chafing ball deodorant designed to defend against the below-the-waist odors. When that summer humidity hits, I use these to keep my balls from sticking to my legs. They even use the Crop Reviver Ball Toner that is spray-on toner for your testicles. Their foot duster, foot deodorant, is so good that it can even reduce the odor of the dirtiest feet. Use the code LONDONISBLUE and get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Basically, all I'm saying is if you love your package... All you have to do is go to their site, hit a few buttons on your phone, and it will change your life for the better. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code LONDONISBLUE and upgrade that
1: salon with the luxury products of Manscaped. You've counted on restaurants, and now they are counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. That's right. DoorDash is the app that brings the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is super easy. You just open up the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with their new contactless delivery drop-off setting, which I encourage. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, or the Cheesecake Factory. But they have the added bonus of having some of your favorite local spots on there as well, which I I personally love to support my local restaurants like Lulu's in Kansas City. What's up? Shout out to you guys. I've eaten from you a lot this year. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more, which is not hard to do, when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's all one word. That's right, $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Do it. Alright, real quick, Dan, before we go
0: on, and I am kind of countering myself, while I didn't like the (laughs) formation, and the lineup is, you know, the lineup's whatever, I think the formation is bigger than the lineup, at the same time, I kind of, we've all admitted that we could have won 3-0, so it's like, was the formation wrong, was the lineup wrong, if we put ourselves in a position to win or does it come down to the players not taking care of business? Cause look, huge, huge arguments on social media about Frank Lampard today, Hmm. right? Understandably. So not really actually, because to me it's like he put the players out there. They had the chances to win it. They didn't win it. Is that on Frank or is that on them? It's on them to me. But I also think that they should take responsibility for kind of falling apart in the second half. Like a manager can only do so much with three Uh substitutions, with penalties looming, to really change the match.
2: Yeah, but when you look at the underlying stats, and we say that there are seven shots that Chelsea played today, three shots on target, I think we could say that there are probably two clear chances that maybe you would have added to that if the pass ends up in the position, the, the, the mount pass and the Calum hudson miss pass. So let's just say you add those up to maybe nine total shots and even five on target. That's still extremely low for a side with Timo Werner, Mason Mount, LeVay Giroux, Calum Hudson-Odoi. Th- that's too few shots to be taking to put you in a position to say, like, if we are a team that's only converting 33% of chances, like, so we got one goal out of the three, which is... Not bad. I mean, 33% conversion is really good, but you need to be taking more shots. We didn't take a shot for 10, 15 minutes into the match. I mean, Timo's shot was, I think, the second shot that we took um, in the game. And so, Nick, like that, I think that's where my concern is, is that, yes, it is partly the players who need to convert the chances or put themselves in a position to not make the individual error. But it's also the fact that, like, if you see that you're not getting shots, you also then have to change who is out there or change the way that they're attacking to try to put yourself in a position to be able to at least shoot the ball. More.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean the, the math just echoes that. Like, I think the, the problem that we put ourselves into is that there are a lot of hero shots out there. There are a lot of guys trying to rip it upper 90. There are a lot of guys who are you know trying to do the best they can to Get on a, a highlight reel, and oftentimes, I think the most effective method is just to test the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper is not going to save every shot, and in the in the case of our former goalkeeper, they might even let some in. So, if you if you just more consistently put the opposing goalkeeper under pressure. The odds of a ball coming out that could be tapped in, or you know, a recycled ball goes in for a second time, so it's really hard to save shots in succession. Brandon, as, as you would know, like I think there is a there's an element to this team where they they try and do the impossible. They try and make the sexy play because it's the fun thing to do, and oftentimes I think they just need to have really consistent rips at goal. And eventually, you know, if you put enough shots on frame. <laughs> I mean, you're you're rarely going to come up with come up against goalkeepers who are going to stand on their head, um, like you know maybe Willie did against Barnsley, or or you know we've had many opposition goalkeepers do against us, but like we just don't consistently do that. I mean, we need to get our shots on target um, against our shots to be at least fifty percent moving forward. All right, well,
0: uh, look, I, I definitely want to hear from you listeners out there about this. There's there's a lot of different ways we can chop and change this. Um, I think we kind of condensed it down to the, the main points for us. But, you know, let us know what you think on it. I do want to spend a little bit of time on Ben Chilwell and Edouard Mendy, who made their first starts and also Mendy's first appearance for the club. Uh So we'll save the best for last when it comes to positioning and start with the boring left-back position. Uh Look, I like Ben Chilwell, all right? I was very reserved, not sure if he was the right fit. You know, I felt like there were other options that we see more dynamic. Like we're seeing Alex Tellas apparently going to United all of a sudden you're like, damn, he's still on the market. Like I thought he was at PSG <laughs> five months ago. So
1: is Taglo You
0: know, so it is it's just the way it's worked out. I think we see a lot of promise under Ben Chilwell. And so I was trying to go back in my mind, Dan and be like, well, Maybe was he just not with a good team, so he wasn't able to perform. I'm like, fuck, he's feeding Vardy. Like, Lester were top three until the very end when they dropped out of it. So maybe he just had a rough run. But it seems in the early stages that Chelsea's scouting department and what Frank was looking for seemed to have got it right with Ben Chilwell. And we've only seen him in limited appearances. But he's mobile. He seems smart. He's fast. And he can
2: whip a ball in from that left side. Yeah, the set piece that he took, man, really deserved someone just jumping on the end of that and testing it with a little down header to see if Will was going to be game for it. And it was was really good. Uh, Very excited to see him and Reese just ping balls into the box for... Tammy for Werner for Havertz to convert into many many goals this season I think it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be good good feasting if you're a Chelsea forward once both Chilwell and Reese James or Asby are, are kind of paired up for a significant period of time and can get that to unlocked I mean I think he was finding himself in the match I think that there were couple of times he got pressed down and he makes the right decision to play it forward or play it out of danger. And I think that's always something I appreciate. Definitely was able to, you know, move up and down the pitch quickly, which I think, you know, he was coming back from a little bit of a foot injury. So those are things that you want to see, Nick. But in general, I mean, early days, bright signs and just excited to see what it brings.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there were times where he got caught too far up the field, maybe, and there was a big gap between him and Zuma. Stuff like that will get corrected with game time. I also think that we had a lot of meaningless possession, <laughs> like a lot of meaningless possession circling around the midway line, and and just you know didn't really do a ton with it. I mean, you saw some of the promise though. You saw some of the crossfield balls. You saw some of the footwork. Um, I think personally that this team will be more defensively solid if we are in the you know in the fifty to fifty-five percent possession range where we allow we sit back a little bit more we're we're allowed to counter we have a little bit more space I think he's going to be even more effective in those positions because as you saw tonight Brandon like it it got so crowded on that left hand side it was just little passes between him and burner not a whole lot of space to really break through Um, but I think if we maybe sit back a little bit more uh, those spaces will open up and I think he could be a real weapon yep I think if you can get Timo stretching down the line, you know, forces
0: them back, gives Chill more space. Look, I said this last time. I hate Timo Werner in a 4 2 3 1 where he's lined up. Now, as we were texting with Yann about this, Yannick, you all know him in the Chelsea world. He likes, he thinks it's okay. I My caveat was unless he can have the Ed Nazar treatment where he can go wherever the hell he wants and he, he has no defensive responsibility, all right, we can work into that. But, yeah, right now, this, that, Timo playing short passes with his back-to-goal is not why we spent $55 million on Timo Werner. Um, so uh, with that being said, though, um, you know, Chilwell, I'm, I'm really just really excited about the the signs and where it's pointing towards, what we get with him. Um, I, yeah, it. I, I don't want to get too much back in the 4 two, three when I still when I see Timo Werner line up on the left. It gives me a bit of chills. Dan, what does 6'6 look like to you?
2: A, a glorious individual who, man, Mendy, 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 Bendy, Mendy, Mendy, in between the sticks, just making it happen today.
0: Mountain Mendy.
2: Ah, uh, no, it's, it's not that great. Well, I didn't
0: you can, ask you for approval. You,
2: you can try again. Um, no, he, he was sharp, right? You know, I mean, think like the the thing. Look, it, it will wear off. By next match, uh, I think, maybe, I don't know, maybe it'll be at post international break, where we stop getting excited that our keeper is claiming a ball from a corner in the air, or stopping, in general, a pretty average shot from Lamella with a, a kick to the ground. But yeah, I just, I thought he looked sharp, he looked ready to go. And I... I think it's not going to be very easy for Keppa to get back into the starting lineup anytime soon if that is the type of performance we can expect from Mendy. Penalty shootout was a little unfortunate. Uh, just very obvious that everybody was going to the left, and then Harry Kane was the one who just goes to the right. And so, uh, you know, just, but I, I think that that was, uh, that's unfortunate first position to be in nick with the penalty shootout as the end of what was actually a really good game from mendy overall
1: yeah i mean he looked so active (laughs) he looked in control he was i mean audibly yelling on the on the on the tv bouncing around i mean yeah you're not you're not going to really i don't think you're going to beat him with any sort of like cross you know or very easily anyway I think he's going to get his big paws on those pretty pretty easily uh he punched a couple times although I would say Brandon maybe the punches were a little less convincing than some of the claims that he, he came in and made but I don't know like he made it a couple of saves how about that I think that is going to as you guys have pointed out ingratiate him
0: to the Chelsea fan base especially with the cross claiming and the aerial challenges it's a pretty
1: low bar to clear to be fair
0: I know I thought it was really cool. So, at Chelsea Chatter on Twitter, put out a tweet that said Edwal Mendy's the first um, black player to play in goal for Chelsea. Thought that was pretty oh. cool. I, you don't really. It's one of those like you don't think about it. You're like, hmm, I, th- I thought that. Really?
1: Jam- did, I thought Jamal Blackman maybe did play, but he mu- he must not have played for the first team. No, it must
0: not have been. And so, but you go wait. How long was Petr Cech in goal again? No. <laughs> But anyways, it's, um, you know, it's, it's a cool thing to be aware of and know as well. Um, so good for Edouard Mendy to come in. Uh, I thought he did well. Obviously, the goal, not much he could do about it. Um, he did a lot to make himself big, get in the way, had some good saves, claimed some crosses. I think we got to see a little bit of everything from him. You know, his distribution didn't distract me. So I think that's a good thing. Uh, but I definitely want to see more of what he can do with the ball at his feet and some things like that. So
1: he wasn't really put under pressure from a distribution Correct. standpoint. There was no press. Correct. I mean, like, to I, w- I think we all saw the pictures of him and check working together during the week. That has to all give us a little bit of relief <laughs> uh, because there's there's no Chelsea keeper better um, in in the club's history, Dan, to uh, potentially help ingratiate someone like Edouard Mendy.
2: Uh, it's it's getting a masterclass and uh from goal, a goalkeeper legend so definitely wonderful I, I liked you mentioned he wasn't put under pressure with passing but i do remember there was one moment where spurs had definitely advanced into the box and he kind of played a square ball to the left over to zuma and was kind of comfortable uh, you know standing up and just kind of being comfortable and knowing that his pass was going to get there, that you know he was knew Zuma would get it out, and so I think it's good to see some of the connections already starting to form that connective tissue between, uh, you know, what was a very strong pairing in Kurt Zuma and Fukayo Tomori today. Again, I don't really think our defense as a whole, Chilwell, Mendy, Aspi, um, uh, Emerson, is a different story, but really the core defense that started this match, I think, did a really strong job in making life. Not fun for a, a Spurs offense.
0: All right. Onwards and <laughs> upwards, Edouard. Save us. Save us from our, our past demons. All right, well, let's go ahead and pretty much wrap up with unanswered questions in case you guys have any. Um, and maybe not, you know, maybe we just kind of want to sweep this one on the rug and and move on. Um, but I did say, is there a way in which the 4-2-3-1 works with our current roster? If I just look at the personnel we have... The only way I think you can force it to work is if you have Ngolo Kanté and that's cuz he is just so good at what he does. But again, that's not a great system in my mind. So, look, I'm yet to see with the people in the in the matches we played so far, a 4-2-3-1 where I'm like, "Hey, we look good. We're getting Timo into space." Obviously, Kai Avertz works really well with him. Callum, we've seen when we switch to four through three, he's better. So again, I just have questions, and don't give me this Declan Rice stuff, right? As if he's the key that unlocks the four two three one, and we play great. Still doesn't help our our wide right player. Still doesn't help Timo Werner. And who the hell is playing in the double pivot? I've yet to see how that works. So I still have questions. Uh, but Dan, do you have any unanswered questions that maybe popped up? From this match, or that you are still waiting on answers for?
2: I think Zuma and Tomori look like they are our best center back pairing. And I think my question would be: Is will Frank settle on a defense? I think we we know that Ben Chowell is going to be our primary left back. So that's one of the spots filled. Zuma is another one. So that's two out of the three. There's potentially you know, opportunity for Reese to be the starter or maybe Aspie. And then you have Thiago Silva, you have Kyle Tomori, you have Antonio Rudiger on potentially the the outs here, uh, Clark Salter potentially heading out on, on a loan. And so can Lampard settle on a center back pairing that he is going to allow to be his number one and number two this season? Because I think that is where I want to start to see partnerships develop in that back line. I want to see where even if it was a bad game or two bad games... That he says, you know what, the same way he did with Tammy, the same way he did with Mason last season, the way that he trusted Reese after the restart, we have to develop some type of comfortability and knowledge and understanding with who those individuals are, particularly with a new goalkeeper as well. It's not going to be helpful for Mendy if we keep on rotating Every single match, okay, well, I'm going to try Zuma and Silva this match. And next match, I'm going to do uh, Silva, and I'm going to do Tomori. And then I'm now going to bring in another. uh, Maybe I'm going to put Aspi over there and center back so I can put Like Just settle on a two that you want to trust for that next run of games after the international break, like for six to seven weeks, barring injury, so that we can just move forward beyond this carousel that has been one of the biggest problems of why our defense has continued to look Shaky because they just don't have the consistency to develop with one another.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think it's pretty obvious to me that Zoom and Tamori works. It's then, you know, who who are your left and right back? I mean, I think ideally it would be Reese and, and Ben, but again, I, Reese is responsible for the first goal against. Um, well, partly responsible for the first goal against uh, West Bromwich Albion, and you know, I think it's. Uh, Going to be a tough, tougher go for him, you know, to play the uh, inexperienced card this year than it was last year. So, interesting there. I, I think my question is, is one that may be resolved relatively quickly, it sounds like, but it is around Ruben Loftus Chic and the potential best place for him to land as a loan. Um, obviously, the number of teams that are available in the Premier League for us to loan to is dramatically shrinking. Um, and, and and you know, it's just kind of a byproduct of some of the early deals that Chelsea have already made. Um, we were talking in our in our group chat the other day about, you know, how Newcastle could be really interesting for him. I think they have a style of football that could drill in some defensive rigidity that then maybe is needed if he wants to play an eight or a six. And I think if he goes up there, he's almost guaranteed to play, um, you know, every every match that he wants to John play.
0: John so. Joe Shelby begs to differ,
1: Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you guys have a different opinion or if there's a better club out there, um, you know, to, to maybe take on his services. But um, I, I think whatever club it is, it has to be a style that is conducive to him coming back to Chelsea. I think Frank said pretty unequivocally that while he may need game time now the the goal is to get a fully functioning fit ruben loftus cheek back in the team so i think style does matter a little bit dan and and how the team
2: is going to play i i actually would argue a little differently i think the style is less important to me that it, i think the guarantee of game time is way more important than is it, is it a 100% perfect match in terms of the way we play to the way that that team plays, the way that Ruben... Like, Ruben should be deployed as a midfielder. He should not be deployed on, on the wings or kind of as an attacking two or attacking three. I think whoever says, hey, look, we will play him 70 to 80 minutes a game as long as he is fit for the entirety of the season, if it's the Premier League, if it's a top team in the Bundesliga, like, I'm saying yes to that 100% and letting it go. Like he just needs consistency. It's the same thing with the center backs. Like we just need Ruben to be getting consistent minutes, and like that's the whole thing why Frank wouldn't want to keep him here. You know, if he's not going to get in, and he's going to get ten to fifteen or twenty minutes every game, every other game. I mean, his career has already gone on this really wonky trajectory, part due to injury, part due to manager changeovers was looking like he was going to be everything we had hoped for under sorry Af- ends up getting in a freak injury at, on a, and a friendly over here in the U S and like, just, I just, I think all of us want Ruben to be successful. I just, he needs time. He needs guaranteed minutes. And that is the most important thing in any of these loans.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, unfortunately Brandon, like palace is not an option, right? Mm-hmm. we already sent Mishi. We have and new we've limits. Already, we've already sent Connor Gallagher to, uh, to uh, West Bromwich Albion. So, you're looking at the number of teams. I I thought of another one that that could be really interesting, and that's and that's maybe Brighton, because uh, I do think they they try and play football, even though I don't I don't know if they always succeed. But uh, ideally, he would have gone back to Palace, and that's just not an option. So I I do think that you you look at some of the teams out there that could one use him that doesn't already have a set midfield, right? and two, that I believe play a decent style of football where he's not just going to be sat back defending all the time and he's going to be allowed to get forward and show off his his talent find the nose for goal again. I think that's a really important part of this.
0: You know, West Ham only have seven midfielders total. They just <laughs> pump wolves. So if you want to keep him in London, you know, probably doesn't have to move. There's some bone fit. You know, that's, that's why we like to send people to Palace and we like to send people to places in London. It doesn't really disrupt them too much, but guys yeah, on here and uh west ham have a very very thin squad and obviously we're no secret we're going for rice uh i'm not saying ruben can just jump in and play the six right away but i bet he could jump in and play in that midfield that also has robert snodgrass mark noble and jack wilshere manuel lanzini's there like stable like there's gonna be opportunities just. for him to get yeah i look there's some old people in here. You got Jack wheelchair in there. <laughs> wow, like it is perfect <laughs> for him to kind of slot in. That's so and dumb. Play. God damn it! Look, I respect you, Jack, and what you've done. I have, but no you're respect. Pane of glass. So, uh, Dan, you're throwing a massive audible at us, saying that you have a second unanswered question, which is completely yeah. against the rules.
2: That's not against the rules. There's there's no rules here. It just it says unanswered questions. It's a plural. Uh, I think that. The other question i have is will frank let mount have a little bit of a rest yeah i think that the <laughs> no. Uh, no no i mean I, I think Next. you know obviously <laughs> missing the penalty sucks you know i think that that was unfortunate it's the same thing that happened to at the beginning of last season mount has just been the only consistent player in terms of appearances and minutes over the first set of games here and I don't know, I, I just I feel like it's probably worth giving him a, a match or giving him maybe kind of a substitute appearance kind of in the match against Crystal Palace this weekend just to let him stay fresh. And, you know, he has been worked harder than most players on this team outside of, like, aspie Nick, in terms of just... And, and, like, look, if we have a second Man and Mason Mount here, like, phew, we are so lucky as a side. But you know, just wonder, maybe it's it might be worth after this performance... Uh, today which was good not great was the penalty miss as well um kind of had a shot initially in the game kind of go wide left to um might be worth just giving him a little bit of a a rest more so for his fitness and making sure that he stays fresh throughout the entirety of the season well
1: right and because the the other wrinkle is that he's now in the england team pretty consistently you know And, and the international breaks coming up after palace so you know, there's no rest with the wicked, and and certainly you have a lot of young Chelsea players who are going to be in consideration for the England team, and you know some are going to go maybe down to the U23s or or whatever. But I, I think there is a a massive opportunity for Frank to rotate the midfield consistently. I don't I don't think we lose a lot against Palace if Ross Barkley plays <laughs> instead of Mason Mount. Um, I love Mason, and I want him to be successful. And obviously, it's a tough day for him because you know he missed. I, I think more importantly than the missed penalty was the missed pass to Werner that would have sealed it, right? Um, he had a pretty easy assist to make there and just played the wrong ball, and that happens. But the, the worst part of this is now you get the Mason Mount haters out there going, see, told you he wasn't very good. Uh, I'm an idiot. You know, uh, that's, the, that's the way that they sound. Um, so... I, I would love to see him get a little bit of a rest. Um, I do not think it will happen, by the way. I don't. I, I think Lampard's the type of guy who's like, all right, so you messed up. Go go out there and prove it again. Like, don't don't cry to me. Like, you know how many, you know many games Lampard sh- had ba- uh, bounce-back performance, Brandon? Like, it was – I think that's the mentality he wants Mason to have, and I, I'm almost assured that he's going to start against Palace. My hope is that he starts in a 4-3-3.
0: you know what i'm gonna to say to that all right look no dan of the match no table review because we're knocked out of the tournament is done um the only thing we have left is that the next match we're gonna play is against crystal palace in the premier league and it's our last match before said international break so we'll be playing on uh this weekend october 3rd saturday kickoff at uh 6 a.m is that for me or you dan
2: uh, that would be for you. Yeah, you're looking at really your time
0: zone. You have a 4:30 a.m. West coasters. Kickoff? I feel for you. You guys oh, are already... warrior man. So this is a tw- this is a 12:30 p.m. kickoff local time, and we've been to a noon kickoff. Right? It is not easy to get to the pub and to no. the game in time. You, it, you, it's you more really reminiscent, have
2: to try. It's more reminiscent of going to a college football game in the U.S., where like it has the early kickoff, mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah. oh, it's 8 a.m. We're starting to drink. <laughs>
0: Like a 10 a.m. kickoff, 10 a.m. kickoff where you're up at six kind of a thing.
1: Oh, we all know the kegs and eggs and that you do a couple That's of true. beer bongs, you have a couple of shots and you're on your way. And look, you're drunk and hung over by three or four o'clock and then you go to bed and then you get up again and go to the bars. Yeah. Or is that just my experience? I'm saying out loud.
0: <laughs> look, it's Crystal Palace in case you forgot how on that that road we just went down. By the way. No slouches they're palace Six place. They, they seem a little they're bit better place.
1: yeah mm-hmm. they've
0: uh won two and lost one with a plus two goal difference so uh, look it, you know they've been mi- mired with VAR controversy for and against them so uh, we can probably expect something interesting to happen with them uh, but yeah they've had some pretty good results uh, recently obviously uh you know drawing or where are we at they Mm, Nope, I've got bad data. doesn't matter. Anyways, Palace aren't going to be easy. They're not going to be a slouch, but that's the next one, October 3rd, this Saturday, and then we go on an international break. So that's going to wrap us up. Appreciate you hanging out with us for this midweek match review. Uh, For all of you listeners, you're the best part out there. Dan and Nick, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, We'll be back with the next episode on Thursday with Matt Law. So look forward to that. Uh, But until next time, Chelsea
1: fans, you to do? Keep the blue flag flying high. Vote.